0: Welcome to the MLM.com podcast. I'm Nancy Tobler, your host. Uh, today we have Paul Adams. Paul has been actively involved in the direct selling channel for over 30 years. He served as the head of a marketing sales and general management for one of the largest supplier partners in the industry. He's an active participant in industry conferences. Paul has been a student and teacher of best practices at marketing communication. He has worked with hundreds of companies from pre-startup to industry giants from all segments of the industry. He has been a board member and advisor to numerous companies and works closely with executive teams to help guide decisions and help build truly great companies. Paul and his team at Adams Research Group focus on solving real-world challenges that help overcome and avoid the inevitable obstacles of growth. Today, in our call... Paul talks about challenges. He works a lot with mid-level companies and uh, sometimes they get sort of lost in the shuffle, I think. And Paul really brings out some of the issues that they face and how sometimes the approach from the company will be sales and marketing needs help. And in reality, when Paul looks under the rug, uh, there are other things that are going on. He talks about legacy leaders and how companies that have been around 20, 30 years how they need to deal with that uh, potential issue and how they might. He discusses customers. We have a great conversation about customers and how to integrate customers into your business and some of the ways to make that easy, make it easy for a customer to buy. He explains how he benchmarks a company and we just, it's a full podcast with lots of wonderful information. Welcome, Paul. How are you?
1: I'm good Nancy. It's nice to see you. Thank you for uh, asking me to to join you today. I appreciate it.
0: Well thank you for joining us. We know that you're busy and that life uh, gets complicated and the holidays are coming up and so I know that this time is crazy. But uh, I just want to jump right into it. One of the things you do is you work a lot with mid-level direct selling companies. What are some of the major challenges that companies face right now?
1: You know, yeah, I do work with a lot of mid-level companies. I, I think I enjoy them probably the most, and and it's and I and I think it's because by the time you get to a certain point, you've 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 stumped your toe a couple of times. You've found out a couple of things that that are working and a couple of things that aren't working so well. And so when we go into to to talk to companies, you know, and, and you know, I hate to say call them companies. I'm talking to people, right? These are they're real people with real problems and really trying to figure things out, but. <clears throat> What we do is we go and we just, we kind of look for a couple things first. Um, what we find is that as growth happens, we, and by we, I mean people, uh, we're really good at complicating things. Um, you know, we, we, we get really smart as we go forward and we start making decisions that we might not have made when we first started. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad, but we're looking for the complication factors, so those things that are causing confusion. Uh, inside the company and out in the field. So things like you know product strategy and promotions and has the comp plan gotten a little too weird and the communication strategy is it clear? Are we telling them the right message. Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into the, to, to complication, and you just kind of have to start looking under all the rug, uh, the elements in the company, and see where does all this exist. That what the, what all that results in, honestly, Nancy is. <laughs> is marketing gets really hard when, when those things are complicated. Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I tend to get hired to help people with their marketing. Uh, And so I go in and I, I, you know, I get calls and they say, Hey, our marketing stinks. or we're having a hard time with our marketing. More often than not, I think that might be a big indicator of other factors that are broken or functioning poorly or just not optimized. So marketing often is a, is a result of other issues inside the company, and so you know, as we start looking around, we start seeing things, and we start finding areas that need a little more, a little bit more help than just marketing, in order for the company to thrive uh, and kind of get back on track. And then, yeah. and yeah. then, kind of as, as a company matures, we find a whole other set of factors. Um, you know I, I I've been fortunate to work with a couple of older companies recently you know twenty thirty year old companies, and they have a whole nother problem and and i you know I'm gonna affectionately call them legacy leaders right you know these that's are very me, kind be, of you very kind of you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, I think we, you know we all kind of know what I'm talking about, but um these are the folks that were with us in the beginning you know and 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 over time they've either stopped working or you know, some may have a better term for it that where they get into, you know, quote unquote, management mode. Um, you know, we can call it a lot of things, but they're they're not doing the business like they used to. And these folks have influence. I mean, they have real influence yeah, in, out in the field.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And we love them, right? I mean, we, we want to honor them and we always want them on our side and we want them to be our partners. And. We don't want to take anything away from them, but we have to focus on the new people coming in. So when we start looking at these areas that are not quite working well, we have to design kind of toward the, the strategy around where we're going, not really where we've been. Yeah. And this is hard. I mean, change is hard. Uh, people may feel threatened. Right. So, you know, so communication is key involving the right people. So you have the buy-in to the evolution of the company is, is critical uh, but we have to look ahead. We just have yeah. to. And sometimes that's really difficult. I mean, you've been there. You know what I'm talking about with yeah. it,
0: right? Yeah. So I think you hit on two really great things, right? Companies that grow. And lots of times in this interest industry, we get people who grow quickly. Uh, and I think you're right. I think things get complicated uh, because there wasn't time to think through it and plan it the way we wanted it to happen. It just happened, right? So a lot of things get caught up in that. Uh but I also like that you talk about legacy companies face a huge issue, right? If you're 30 years old, uh, you may not even be talking to the distributors who started with you. You may be talking to their children or even grandchildren uh, who have now sort of taken over the business, so to speak, uh, but they're not, it's not the same. Like you say, it's not the same and we got to look forward and, and that can be really tricky for a company.
1: Uh, yeah, for sure, and I, you know, I hope I hope we're talking to the children and grandchildren more often than not. We're we're not.
0: Oh, aren't you? We're so, oh, okay, that's yeah, a good insight.
1: I mean, well, because you know, there sometimes the children and grandchildren didn't want anything to do with the business. Oh, and you still have the 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 legacy folks that are there with the influence. I would love to be talking to the children and grandchildren if I was a company.
0: Okay, good. Um, that's good insight.
1: Well, I mean, you got to, yeah, you do have to try to pull them into the business somehow And, and often it works, but, but more often than not, it doesn't work that well. Uh, but we still, we still have to look ahead. We, we owe it to the, you know, in, in most cases, thousands of people that are part of our future. We owe it to the home office team. I mean, they're, they're working tirelessly to meet the challenges and changes of the business. So if we're not looking ahead, we're, we're doing a terrible disservice. Um, and you, you, you hope to bring those people along that have been around for a long time. You hope they're going to be supportive and you hope they're going to, you know, I'd like them I like to think they can get active again, but more often than not, they don't. I just don't want to be a holdup as we try to go forward. You know, I want them to, I want them to get all the wins possible, but we have to build for the future. So those are the things I look for kind of in the mid-level companies and, and challenges that are pretty typical, I think yeah. with older, you know, mid-level legacy companies, if I'm calling that.
0: Yeah, I think I I think that's a good term. Um so let's shift to talk just uh, maybe more directed, but let's talk about customer programs. I think this is a big thing in the industry right now that uh especially legacy companies are trying to figure out how to implement effective customer programs.
1: Yeah, it is the, it is the topic of discussion throughout the industry and and it it's um it's an interesting I hate to call it a challenge, but it is a challenge because, because often, you know, the, the, the business was built with a mindset of growth of distributors and growth and recruiting and growth by, by bringing more people into the business, not necessarily bringing more customers into the business. I'm sad to say that Yeah. because as direct sellers, we should have been selling the whole time, not just recruiting the whole time. And so, right. You know, back to that legacy group, they're a little resistant sometimes. So we have to build a a, a program that allows the new people that we can attract. That, you know, hopefully they you've got a product or a service that that people can fall in love with and they and they and they really really like. And I just we just to, need to build a program that allows them to share it pretty easily and pretty freely with their friends and family. Um, you know, it's it, it, it that's been the hardest shift to be honest. Is 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 re. In some cases, reallocating, you know, the compensation structure that was designed sometimes many, many years ago and hasn't evolved so that it actually fuels new growth. Right. And again, I, I hate I hate to keep referencing this this older group, but they're not they don't like that too much sometimes, you know, because it looks like you're taking away from them when really what you're trying to do is build a much healthier company for them over the long haul. Um right. this, is one of those, this is one of those areas that you know, I've said it many, many times that I've seen companies, uh, leaders in particular, that have started companies and and kind of through brute force and charisma and their friends from the industry, they can grow a company to pretty good size, you know, $100 million a year in, in some cases. But there's a point we have to run a good company, right. right? And And this is where running a good company comes into play. You have to do the things that are actually going to help you up, you go forward, and and a really good customer program is is a hard evolution if you weren't designed for that in the first place. Yeah, um, but,
0: yeah, I think but, I think those older companies. I'm thinking Shackley. I don't I don't know who you're referencing at all, but I'm thinking Shackley because I bought Shackley products since I was 20 years old. Right, I've always liked their laundry soap and their. Uh, magic pink powder their pink uh, stuff that <laughs> cleans my pans, right? And, and and I like their philosophy, right? The environmentally sound. They were environmentally conscious before anyone was else was environmentally conscious. So I really liked that about them. So they sold the product when they recruited me, right? They sold the product. The product was key to that. And the philosophy and the culture was key to that. But they also sold me the opportunity. I never did anything with the opportunity. I only wanted the product. I would have been perfect for a customer program, but they didn't see that then. Do you know what, is, is, is that sort of a good example of what we're talking about here?
1: Yeah, that's a great example. In fact, there, there's there's companies out there that, you know, in, in the old days, when I say old days, I'm talking 10 years ago, if you didn't sign up to be, you know, some sort of a advanced leader by today's definition, it, the, the 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 recruiter almost didn't even want to talk to you, right? It right. was like, All right. You're not worth my time. And I'm not even worried about bringing you in as a customer. It was either sign up at this level or I'm I'm just moving on because I'm trying to make money. Right. And I, I look I look back on those days and I'm thinking, goodness gracious, what if we had spent all that time saying we have this business that is is good for you if you choose to? And if you choose not to, I'd really love to make you a great customer for life. Right. What if what if we had done that all along? What would our businesses look like had we grown them that way from the beginning? It would be to me in my mind I can't I can't find can't find a flaw in that uh, scenario other than we didn't reward them for that very well. Right. You know, and 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 to complicate things today, I mean, we really are in an interesting time in my mind. You, you were buying that product probably from somebody you knew, right? Somebody you trusted, somebody right. that, that approached you, right? And today, it's we'd like it to be that way, but we have another layer of of complexity that we built into direct selling. And I I have a friend of mine; I've totally stolen this, where she she says, by design, direct selling, purchasing from a direct selling company has added layer of friction that you don't have in other choices. Mm. By that I mean, you know, the thing that we get get compared to all the time right now is Amazon, right? It's like We're, we're trying to drive an e-commerce business. And I, I actually think direct selling companies today are technology driven e-commerce companies that use a direct that, you know, independent sales force to, to facilitate commerce. But it is technology and it is e-commerce. And sometimes our technology and our e-commerce just doesn't stand up to what's being done in the rest of their world, whether it's Amazon or Walmart or vitamin shop or whatever. They make it really easy to buy stuff.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll guarantee you, they make it easy. You can just check my account.
1: I. Me too. <laughs> I'm there, right? And and but it, we do go through another extra step or two in order for someone to buy from most direct selling companies, right? Because right? I have to go through my distributor's website. I mean, it, 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 there's just a layer or two that makes it harder. And then, you know, I hate to use the Amazon word again, but. If I order from Amazon, I'm probably going to have the product tomorrow for free, right? And that's not the case in most direct selling companies. So it is. It, there are some challenges, right? Yes, we have great products. We have unique products in the channel. We have good personal relationships. I hope. Um, sure. But what do we? You know, back to her, back to my friend's point. What do we? What can we do as a company, as a channel, to make this effort worth it? Are yeah. we showing the value we need? Are we is our pricing worth it? Are we making the transaction as simple as possible? Are, are we communicating with the customer throughout the transaction and after, you know, to make them, her, frankly, feel as valued and as wanted as we can? Are we leaving them, leaving it all in the hands of the distributors who may not be doing a very good job of it? So there's a, there's this massive blending of personal and technology, personal relationships, personal contact and technology. Where we can be a little bit more in their face, we can show them we care, we can give them the info to help them feel good about the product purchase, pro- product transaction, and don't overlook or take any detail for granted. I mean, every touch point matters today, we have to optimize those. And I think we're not doing a very good job of that in some cases. Um, well, yeah. So I'm really focused on it, but I think that's the evolution of the customer acquisition and customer centric mode that we're in right now.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I, I was just thinking that uh, I heard some great stories about people who the only person who contacted them during COVID was their distributor. they the, they the person who brought them in as a customer, right? So we have the opportunity to maintain most often it's maintain a relationship we already have with someone or build a new relationship. And it it's, it's uh, it's in our very DNA as an industry. I really like that about it, and now we just need to apply that to customers. I think.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent right. I, that I mean, I am I, I get touched by so many um, potential places for me to make a purchase right now. I use the I use Vitamin Shop as an example a few minutes ago, right? So I, I I I years ago I started buying products from Vitamin Shop that I couldn't get. Through direct selling, and and it was easy, frankly, and and I've never made an online purchase through them. I've walked into the stores because it's next door to another store I go to. I walk in, I grab it, and I walk out. But I'm a I'm a member, right? I get discounts there because I'm a member. I I literally get an email from them every single day of the week, year round. Yeah, they are not they are not going to let me forget that I should that I matter to them, and I'm going to get discounts. It's going to be really easy to take advantage of it. Right now. Are we doing that? I don't uh, now, Is that too much? There, I mean, there's a debate there. Is that too much? But are we doing anything close to that? Are we doing yeah. some version of that? I mean, and what if we did? Could would we be helping our, our field sales force? I, I, in my mind, I think the answer is yes. We're actually helping them facilitate sales if we help them do that. So,
0: yeah. Well, and I think even giving our sales force those tools uh, to reach out and do that drip marketing to people. Uh, And I think this giving customers loyalty points, uh, free product, all of that, we have been slow to do, right? We were the first ones, I don't know, maybe not the first ones, but we were early into the auto ship mode, right? That makes sense to us. Auto ship makes sense to us. But thinking like their actual customers, right? That they buy one month and then they buy four months later and then they buy six months after that, they don't necessarily buy on an auto ship regular schedule. I think we haven't been as good at rewarding loyal customers as we could be, I think.
1: I, I agree. Some companies have been better than others at, at, at facing that fact, but what did you hit on a good one with the idea of auto ship? I mean, the, the rest of the world is catching up. We were right. way ahead on that on that front for, for sure. And the loyalty points is, it's it can be cumbersome. It can be a pain in the neck if, from an accounting standpoint but it's actually good for the consumer if we can actually do that. And some companies are doing pretty well with it and others are looking at it with their heads spinning, going, I don't even know where to start. Right. And it just shouldn't be that hard. I wouldn't think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, so uh, maybe another sort of niche we should talk about is what do you suggest after you've looked under the covers, under the rug to see the problems, what do you suggest for uh, an effective marketing process?
1: Well, goodness, this is, it's a very, very big topic, but oh, let me, okay. one of the things that, a, that I, that, <laughs> yeah, the highlights for sure. One of the things that I think we, uh, that I that I see very often is that so many companies are marketing to leaders more than anyone else. Um, or they actually, they think they're marketing to leaders is probably a better way to put it. What they're really doing is communicating with leaders and not marketing very well to anyone. Um, yeah. And keep in mind I, I that this, this data I'm going to pull out here is, is I think, I think I heard it first from Mark Rollins. So uh, if it's, if it's accurate, I'm going to give him full credit. If if it's not accurate, I'm going to give him full blame, but I think it's pretty close. (laughs) Um, If if you think about it um, about what 80% of the people that, that are in our business are in fact customers. Right. I mean, they love the product. Uh, They don't really want to do the business. And you know what? That's great. Um, We love them. Uh, In fact, I want a lot of them. I think that's a great move. Then you've got what, say, 10 or maybe 15% that are part-time in the business, but they're still customers too. Right. Uh, they're, They're not super active, maybe not active at all, but somewhere along the line, they may have shared with their family or friend. And in fact, they have a customer too, which I think is great. Could be more. And there's some of those folks that have been interested in making a little money. And, you know, it's just not a lot. It's just enough to supplement their income, maybe help pay a credit card bill, something like that. And the grand scheme of things, if you look overall in the industry, that's a that's a pretty big and impactful group. Yeah. And then there's that, la- that last percentage, right, that three to five percent who are really involved in the business and are leaders. And those are the ones that get the lion's share of our attention. So. My, my general words of wisdom is don't overlook the importance of marketing, really marketing to every segment. Talk to those people. First of all, know who they are, know, yeah. know what's important to them and talk to each group in a way that matters to them. Segment it, talk to them, sell them products and, and ideas based on their, their buying habits, on their buying bracket that they're in. Uh, I mean, it really matters that you meet people where they are, no matter and know what matters to them yeah Uh, and And that's that's
0: data the company can collect and give back to distributors in a way that I can say oh Joni hasn't bought for the last five months but you know what she was very excited this time of year last year a year ago and I now I've got a way to connect with her and the company told me that Joni hasn't bought in six months you might want to reach out right and that that brings it back to my mind so I think companies can really help with that
1: Mm -hmm. Totally can help with it. It's it's. I mean, you know, we we have the the information at our at our disposal to to say, just like Amazon would do, people that buy bought this might like this too. Right, right. And so we have we have that availability to send it to them and then and then help help the field talk to people at, in a way that matters to to the consumer. I, you're hundred percent right and. You know, some are, are making that move. Some are do, really digging into the big data world and, and doing a better job than others. And again, some are looking at it, going, "I don't even know where to start." And uh, I think it's critical to start marketing to those groups, even at a rudimentary level. Just you, we know who our customers are. We know who the, we know who the people are that signed up and haven't ever sponsored anyone, haven't ever gotten a check. And hopefully, we've done the the segmentation and even the the uh, the uh, reclassification of those people, and we we can market to them better than we than we've ever been able to before. We just have to commit to it and have a marketing plan that allows that to happen. Um, yeah. You know, the, the truth is sometimes we have to. I I think marketing and communications in general, I think it's uh, because technology gives us more flexibility, more nimbleness. We can be faster. We have to be really cognizant of the fact that we, we don't get to decide how someone consumes our information. We just have to make it available. So she will wherever right. that is. Right. right. So, you know, as, as much as I think technology has helped, it's also forced us to be broader with how we communicate with people and how we market to them than we've ever been before. You know, it used to be in my old past life, I, you know, we, if I go back far enough, it, we, we'd send out VHS tapes. Uh, uh, tapes and audio cassettes and brochures. And that was, that was the marketing effort, right? Yeah. And it, Cause there was no, there was no website and there was no email. Right. And now it's like, goodness gracious, throw in all the other possibilities and how do we touch those people that, uh, that where they are and get to them?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that, I think you hit the, the big nail in that, uh, marketing uh, arena. Uh, so, do you want to talk about benchmarking? We're we're a little uh, close to the end of the time, but I, I know you do benchmarking for companies. You want to talk about a couple of things you do when you come into a company and help them benchmark?
1: Yeah, this is a, this is something that came up a few years ago, Nancy, with a, with a client who who frankly came to us and said, "Look, we're we're doing pretty well. We've had good success, but we're afraid we're at this point where we're starting to see signs of stalling." But and. And this was a really, really well run organization. I was, I, I admired them tremendously, but, and probably as much for anything as they said, we don't know what we don't know right now. How come other companies have broken through this, this barrier that we think we're facing? We, we don't know what we need to change. And so instead of doing a random, you know, trial and error, they asked me, my team to go in and look at, um you know, a competitive landscape. And we, so we, you know, we dug into about a dozen companies that looked a little bit like them, kind of the same age, generally the same product category, not the same products by any stretch, but same product category, and started looking at what, what were these companies doing different? And, and probably the most important aspect of this is we actually did the exact same benchmarking with the client company. So we compared, we weren't just taking them for, you know, that their 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 perception of themselves at face value. We went and said, here's what's really going on, and I don't think you've even noticed it. And we compared them all side by side. And so we looked at a variety of things. You know, it could have been, you know, the the steps in the comp plan. Were they were they, what was the spacing? What was the repetition? What was the free? How did you get to certain levels? We looked at, you know, maybe frequency engagement and topic choices in social media, for example. And we looked. We probably looked at a dozen different topics or categories inside of what makes up a good company and put them side by side and said, here's how you stack up. Yeah. And they, they took that information and basically for the next year started just looking at it every week. All right, what are we doing to impact this? Do we think we can change this to that? Probably the most important thing they learned from it was over time, their product assortment had gotten a little complicated. Oh, and that can happen, so, yeah. Yeah, it happens all the time. So, you know, they simplified. They they took a broader product cross-section, you know, that people would see them initially and narrowed it down to basically three offerings. And, I mean, when I say simplified, they truly simplified. And, and you and I have talked, and this is something I totally believe. If I look at a company and they've made their product story simple, if they've made the the, the buying uh, process simple, if they've made the ordering process as simple as possible, if they've made explaining the business simple, I can assure you they've worked at it really hard because making things simple is really, really hard. And I admire companies who can do that. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. But I, I promise you, if you'll take the time to make things simple, it is it is really, really worth it, but it is one of the hardest things companies have to do because as as company owners, as company leaders, we're way too stinking smart, and we think everybody else knows what we know, and we, right. we, just, we, can, we can mess it up so fast believing other people are on our wavelength, and I don't mean that as a negative. We just, we just have to talk at a level where people care and can consume it. Right. And sometimes we just aren't very good at that. So that, you know, the benchmarking gave that insight where they said we can simplify and they spent the time to get it right. And you know what, over the next year, I think they grew about 40%. They're worried about stalling and they grew 40%. They were already a big company. So yeah, good
0: for them. it was nice yeah. for them
1: to take that data and do something with it. And since then we've done it several different times. And I have yet to see a company that will admit they don't know something can make an impact. And, uh, uh, it's fun to watch them take information that sometimes it's difficult, you know, to hear and yeah. do something with it, but, they, but they'll do it. Good leadership can make something out of that.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, I think we've talked a lot about what you do for businesses. Is there anything else you want to add on? Is uh, it kind of a final thought about what you do in your business to help direct sales companies?
1: Oh, well, I, you know, I appreciate that. You know, really... <laughs> I started off going in saying I was going to help companies. This is my company, is several years old now. And I was just going to help with their marketing and whatnot, and then right. I realized that that's not the biggest problem in companies. So i really focused with my team on helping just build great companies, and and that may mean that that I have resources at my disposal, and maybe I have somebody on my team that can help. But if I don't, I certainly want to bring other people in that can help because. If a company's want to say I, I i'm I need some help. I may not know what I'm getting myself into right now um, at the CEO level, at the president, the owner level, then that's a great start for us because that's that's kind of the level of of belief that starts a process of change and and we're just about helping companies build great companies in direct selling space. That's really what we're about. And I know that sounds generic, but it's uh, the 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 idea of of looking under the hood on marketing. Uh, what i found was in about an hour of talking to the marketing team i i'm going to they're going to point out about six other areas of the company that need help right and so it, it doesn't take long to realize marketing's not the big problem let's, let's let's look at the other dynamics whether it's leadership development whether it's executive team work coaching that sort of thing and even operational issues um, you know i'm not trying to be the jack of all trades i want to be very specific when we go in and try to help them solve specific problem, problems problems they're going to make them break through those barriers that are either right now or upcoming, if that makes sense.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Paul, for sharing your expertise. Uh, I really like that you come in at that mid-level company. Uh, A lot of people I talk with here deal with uh, startups, a lot of startups. Uh, But I really like that you see that, you know, people grow almost without thinking and then they hit a wall and that's where you can come in. So, Thank you so much for sharing your expertise, and I hope to talk to you again soon on our podcast.
1: Great, Nancy. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it.
0: All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining the MLM.com podcast. Thanks to Leroy for audio help and Kelsey for her help in writing up the descriptions. This has been the MLM.com podcast, bringing you information and insight into the direct sales industry. Join us again next time.